Podcasts have risen to prominence over the last few years, and now most major brands are wanting to get in on the action. Kate Fallis spoke with radio futurologist James Cridland and podcast editor at The Telegraph, Theodora Luludis, to get their thoughts on the growing demand for this form of audio. Audio storytelling has taken many different forms over the years. For a long time, radio was the audio form most listened to by the public, with no other options yet available. But in more recent times, new options have emerged in the form of audiobooks and podcasts. I'm Kate Fallis, and it's the latter which I'll be focusing on during this segment, sharing insights and top production tips from two podcast fanatics which I'll introduce to you shortly. Firstly, I'd like you to think about what podcasts mean to you. They can educate us, challenge us, entertain us and keep us company. For some, they can aid healing and become quite an emotional experience, with many of them now focusing on mental and physical health issues which may have not previously been touched on so openly. And of course, there's the daily or weekly news podcast to keep us up to date on all things current affairs. There's something for everyone, and once you find your niche, they can become quite an obsessive medium. To many, podcasts seem to have taken the world by storm and grown in popularity only in very recent times. But what you may be surprised to hear is that the term podcasting was invented back in 2004. And it was in August of 2005 that Apple put podcasts into the iPod. So while this term may have still been somewhat alien back then, it was certainly around. At the time of recording this, there are around 800,000 podcasts available, and numbers are growing rapidly every day. According to a recent report titled Media Nations 2019 by Ofcom, around 7.1 million people in the UK listen to podcasts every week. The research discovered that's an increase of 24% over the past year, and more than double over the past five years. And when it comes to genres, entertainment is king, followed by comedy, then talk shows and news and current affairs. I spoke to radio futurologist James Cridland, who is also editor of Pod News. He put the growing popularity of podcasts into context for me and also touched on the overwhelming amount of content that's out there. Earlier this month, um, podcasting hit 800,000 podcasts. So that sounds like an awful lot. But I think it's also fair to say that um, when you have a look at the amount of uh, books that are out there, you know, two and a half million books are published every single year. And we've managed in the 15 years of podcasting so far, we've only managed 800,000 podcasts. So I think that there's um, that there's some, certainly something there. But I think also, um, yes, you know, there is a tremendous amount of choice. It can be quite hard to find new podcasts that you want to have a listen to. But on the other hand, people are getting better and better at sharing great podcasts that they really enjoy with other people. And that's, you know, the main way that we uh, share great, great media of all types now is actually doing that. So while there are new technologies coming in to help us find better podcasts to go and and uh, have a listen to, at the end of the day, you know, we, we need to be uh, very aware that, uh, you know, there, there are an awful lot of great podcasts out there and people are finding them too. 
The kinds of people and organisations who produce podcasts are changing too. It's not just broadcasters who can take part anymore. In fact, anyone can, which is what makes them such an appealing side hustle. Many newspapers in the UK have moved into audio storytelling too, adding to their digital service and keeping with the times. One such paper is The Telegraph, which produces Chopper's Brexit podcast, Technology Intelligence and Audio Football Club, to name a few. Podcast editor at The Telegraph, Theodora Leloudis, is the second industry expert I spoke with and told me their audio department has existed for some time now. At The Telegraph, we were actually pretty early in the audio space. Uh, our head of video and audio, Andy McKenzie, has a great story. He's been at the company almost 20 years now, and he was working as a picture editor, and um, he says that he was spotted using an iPod and listening to a podcast, and back in the day, you used to have to plug it into your computer, manually download each show, and then go off with your iPod and kind of listen to, to one show at a time before you re-downloaded the next show um, from iTunes. Obviously, now we have automatic downloads and far more options podcast but he was listening to his podcast on his iPod and someone came up to him and said hey you like listening to podcasts fancy making one and lo and behold the Telegraph podcast the innovatively named Telegraph podcast as it was called back then was created. Theodora also says they see it as a way of adding to their journalism rather than completely separating it from their print or online offering. Although we don't reach as big an audience as, say, the newspaper audience, it's a very, very highly engaged audience. You know, it's an on-demand medium. So they've chosen to listen and you're in their ears. They're actively engaging with the content. So at The Telegraph, we don't necessarily see it as a project of scale. Obviously, we'd love everyone to be listening to our content. But we recognise that that audience is really engaged and that it's a really good way to amplify the talent of our journalists using the audio studio and to develop our journalism beyond the realms of the newsroom. Uh, which means that we can capture conversations outside of the Telegraph rather than just constantly inside the audio studios. And there's not only new listeners to be found through the power of podcasts, there's also money to be made. The lucrative business of monetizing podcasts is an appealing prospect for any business or individual for that matter. James Cridlin told me about this and gave his thoughts on a Netflix-style podcast subscription service. There's been a number of different ways of looking at podcast monetization. There's a company called Luminary who are charging a Netflix-like £7.99 uh, for you to download a bunch of original podcasts. I'm not necessarily sure that that set the world on fire, although they're saying that it's, um, it, that it's growing as they expected it to. And they're not alone. There are other paid-for podcast companies uh, out there. I am really surprised that Apple haven't done this because it seems to me that Apple have one great advantage that no other podcast app does and that's that they have access to everybody's credit cards and also on the other side they have a a proven way of paying companies and individuals across the world for producing great content and they're already doing that in their app store so why wouldn't they do do that in terms of podcasting as well Um, and I'm very surprised that Apple haven't done that 
I'd suspect that maybe next year they might be starting to have a look at that and maybe that's something that um, might appear. But at the moment, podcasting is mostly either advertising funded or funded by other things such as Patreon, uh, you know, people going and uh, donating to their favourite uh, podcast. It's something that is fairly alien to uh, Brits uh, like me, but not necessarily as alien to people in the US where they're very used to paying for uh, media that they like. So perhaps we'll see a little bit more of that as well as obviously, you know, the advertising that you actually hear in podcasts as well. If you think about how we're listening, that has also changed. Podcasts aren't just in your ears or playing out through speakers anymore. Many shows have gone live, recording segments with a theatre-style audience. While this is growing in popularity, the jury is still out on whether it works, according to James. For some podcasts, that really works. For other podcasts, it's a bit weird. Bear in mind that um, 89% of podcasts are listened to alone. So when you're listening to a podcast, it's a very, very intimate experience. And because of that, it's actually quite weird to know that there are other people who are consuming the same podcast as you are. Uh, That shared experience is far less than radio, for an obvious example, which half of us listen to with other people. So actually, Having that sort of experience of lots of people listening to a podcast in the same place that has historically for them been something that they do alone and very intimately is a big difference. Uh, And that's something that um, changes, I think, uh, your relationship with a podcast and certainly changes it for the people who are recording it. That all of a sudden you're there and you're not just doing it for the audience at home, you're doing it for the audience in the theatre, you know. And so some of the best podcasters that I've seen who do live shows think of it as a live show. It's not a podcast, it's a show for people who've come to watch um, to watch me on stage and they do a very different show than they otherwise would if they were doing a podcast. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably the way of, um, of, uh, of uh, having a think about it. It's a separate thing, not necessarily just another place to record a podcast, although some people do that too. If you look at the traditional studio production of podcasts, there are many ways this is done and plenty of embellishments that can be added, such as jingles and music. I was curious whether there's a science to crafting the perfect podcast or if it's still an entirely creative process. So I asked James what you need to start a successful podcast. I'll tell you what they don't need. They don't need a huge amount of equipment. Um, They don't need lots of complicated mixing desks and, you know, and very fancy microphones and everything else. You can make a great podcast using the stuff that you already have, which will be a laptop and a mobile phone. Um, So um, if if you're starting from a very basic level, um, I would urge you to just get on with it and to use something like Anchor, which is free, or there are similar services, um, which which allow you to very quickly and easily record a podcast, see if you're comfortable, see if you're, um, uh, you know, good with it. Um, And if it seems to be something that you are really enjoying, then that's when you should be thinking about, you know, buying a better microphone or, you know, or spending a little bit more on a 
decent um, piece of, uh, of, of uh, editing. Um, what I see from the most popular podcasts which are out there is that they are all consistent, so you know what to expect when you're listening to them. They are consistently well edited, and uh, editing audio so that you get rid of the ums and the ers, and uh, editing audio so that you uh, tighten up some of the worst questions, you know, so you actually end up with something that sounds really good is really important because at the end of the day, your listeners have less time than you think that they do. And, you know, you, you probably want to make sure that your podcast sounds as good as it possibly can. So if it's going to be a really good podcast, edit it, make it um, make it uh, as long as it needs to be, but not a second longer um, and uh, make it as consistent sounding as possible so that you always know what you're going to get when you hit that play button. At The Telegraph, it's still their journalists who are their best assets when it comes to creating and producing podcasts. Their strong contacts are the secret weapon, according to Theodora. The production week show varies. Often it can involve the producer uh, working with the presenter um, and tapping into their black book of contacts. That's something that we find really useful as producers here at The Telegraph is our journalists are on the ground, they're out and about, they're speaking to sources all day and they have these brilliant black books of contacts um, which we make real use of. So someone like um, Bryony Gordon on Bryony Gordon's Mad World, which was a huge success for us. Uh, she's one of our brilliant star columnists and she would have sat down with her producer um, and they would have together worked together to work on a kind of guest list for her show, which focuses on mental health. It's, it's everyone from Prince Harry to Stephen Fry talking really candidly about their mental health and was a real pioneer in that podcast space. So she would have sat down with her producer. They would have looked at their kind of ideal guest list, um, started reaching out to guests together and then crafted where that conversation was going to go. So I think often in podcasts, we think it's a really low maintenance medium. Um, and we think that someone just turns on a mic um, and has a chat. And I'm sure there are podcasters who do that brilliantly. Um, but certainly we know where our conversations are going to go. And that's somewhere where the producer can really help both in terms of um, research uh, and suggestions of, of questions and, and conversation. As a producer at The Telegraph, it's everything from turning on the microphone, um, recording the interview, uh, organising the guests, shaping the conversation, editing the show, uploading it onto all sorts of platforms and the marketing afterwards. We do work with our marketing team, but we are a small team, so you're pretty much doing everything from start to finish. It just depends on the host as to how much editorial input they have as well. Some have a lot. Um, some are so pressed for time um, that you get a precious hour with them in the studio and you make do with that. And of course, I had to ask both my guests what they're listening to at the moment. The best way to discover new podcasts is often word of mouth. I have a really wide range of podcasts that I listen to. Um, I pretty much start listening from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment that I go to sleep. The good thing about my job is that it's perfectly legitimate for me to sit there with my headphones on listening to podcasts all day. So it's pretty much my dream job on that front. Um, recently, I've loved a series called Tunnel 29. Um, it was on the Intrigue feed by Radio 4. Uh, it's about a group of people who tunneled under the Berlin Wall. Um, and most of it actually is voiced by an actor. Um, but I thought they used the actor really effectively their main interviewee only spoke German he didn't speak English so his, his words are voiced by an actor and um, that can be done to various levels of success here it was really successful and it's a highly sound designed show so uh, they actually recorded quite a lot of it inside tunnels um, so you really feel like you're inside the tunnel um, with 
the people who are recalling the story of how they they tunneled under the Berlin Wall. Um, it's very immersive uh, and very well produced. Um, I'm also loving Dolly Parton's America, which is um, a series which takes you into modern America through the music of Dolly Parton. Um, I can't say I was a huge country music fan before, but it's really uh, got me into it, and it talks a lot about the musicality. Um, on the kind of political front, I love the political party with Matt Ford. He's a political comedian um, who asks commentators and actually very well-known MPs on for long-form interviews. Um, and he has that lovely way of uh, tackling big policy questions whilst also asking them about their dog's name or their favourite restaurant or just getting those snippets of um, the, just getting those snippets of information from MPs that you don't normally hear in the kind of pre-rehearsed BBC soundbites. Um, I also love How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. She's a writer and broadcaster. Actually, failure has been a really big trend in podcasting and, and t talking about turning failure into success, which is what she does. She brings on um, big celebrities and talks to them about the moments of their life where they failed and what they've learned from that. I find it really uplifting um, and she's really warm with them as well. You can tell she always gets on with her interviewee and I think that's crucial. Table Manners with Jessie Ware. She's a singer and she records it alongside her mother, Lenny. Um, I think it's quite rare to hear um, a celebrity at home with their mum and they have little arguments as they go about cooking their lasagna or whatever they're cooking that day. The, the concept is that they cook for um, celebrities whilst talking to them about their favourite meals, their last meal on earth uh, and everything in between. It has, again, that nice thing of celebrities acting in huge inverted commas, normal and a real intimacy. There are some that I listen to as a guilty pleasure, and there are some that I listen to because um, b because they're just great, well-crafted shows. So a recent one um, uh, which falls into that latter category of being a great, well-crafted show is um, The Missing Crypto Queen, which is a podcast that the BBC made a couple of months ago. Um, and that's a great sort of investigative kind of true crime podcast, which was put together very, very well um, by a very small uh, team. But it had some wonderful, clever tricks in it. So it was mostly a pre-made, pre-recorded podcast. But what they did is they edited into it bits that had changed in the story since they had started releasing these particular podcasts. So somebody came on who had heard some of the podcasts and and had his own point of view, had his own thing that he wanted to end up uh, saying. So a lot of that um, listener uh, participation is a wonderful thing. So that's one that I would certainly recommend. Another one that I would recommend is The Bugle, which is a podcast that comes out every single week. It's a news podcast hosted in the UK, but also normally has an Australian on and, a, uh, and an American on. And that's a great podcast hosted by um, by uh, Andy Zaltzman. Um, I listen to that pretty well every single week. As I do, I'm afraid, uh, listening to the Chris Moyles Breakfast Show on Radio X podcast because, you know, old habits die hard. So I think uh, and that's probably the wonderful thing about podcasting is that there really is something for everybody. If you like fart jokes, Chris Moyles is there for you. If you like a really good, well-crafted, uh, investigative piece of journalism, then the BBC is there for you and there are all kinds of things in between. I also asked some of my colleagues what they're listening to at the moment. 
I listen to uh, quite a few podcasts. My top three, I'd probably go with Beyond Today as uh, being my number one, and that's from BBC Radio 4. Really good podcast. Got uh, Matthew Price and Tina Dahili are the hosts. Uh, each day they kind of take one topic that's been in the news and kind of just go in depth in it for about 20 minutes, um, interviewing different journalists from all over the world, discovering the news out there. Another one of my favourite podcasts uh, would be Dan Snow's History Hit. I'm a bit of a history buff myself, so I uh, quite enjoy that one. And again, that's just kind of him interviewing somebody. Could be an author, could be a blogger, um, about something that happened in history or about kind of a historical topic, really. Another one of my favourite podcasts is Five Lives Rugby Union Weekly. Especially during the past Rugby World Cup over this autumn, that was a really, really good podcast to be following. Danny Kerr is one of the hosts on it, and he's one of my former favourite rugby players. So yeah, just kind of looking in depth into each rugby squad, talking to stars, coming up with funny games, and just, yeah, quite a bit of fun listening, really, for the uh, tube journey home. What I'm really enjoying listening to, it's kind of my guilty pleasures, um, is Table Manners. That's with Jessie Ware, and she hosts a podcast podcasts about food, family and the beautiful art of just having a chat directly from her home and her dinner table every week. I love her guests. I've listened to Jamie Oliver recently and Nicole Scherzinger and it's a really, really fun, good laugh. Professionally, um, I enjoy listening to PR Moment podcast. We recorded one a couple of years ago here at Shout with Francis Ingham, the chairman of the PRCA. He was fabulous. He gave us some incredible insights into his sort of early life. And recently, They've chatted to a few of, of my former PR colleagues. It's always nice, isn't it, to find out what your colleagues are up to. Steph McLeod, MD of Kaizo, she was fantastic. And then just this week, we've actually been recording a podcast for digital agency Mint Twist. We were talking about smart speakers, but really we were finding out whether our phones are eavesdropping on our conversations. And you'll have to listen to that one to find out more. Well, obviously, I love a Shout Communications podcast. Um, for example, if you've missed any of our big or small talks, you can have them as here again by going to iTunes or our website to download those. Um, but I do love a podcast, particularly when I'm doing domestic drudge and I'm listening to a podcast to lighten that load for me. Um, it's going back a couple of years, but one that just made me laugh out loud, even if I was by myself or on the tube or wherever, um, was that one my dad wrote a porno. That was just so funny. Um, I do like a, a listen again one, though. I quite often um, catch up with Radio 4's The Media show um, because that goes out on I think it's Monday afternoon but I'm not always around to listen to that so I, I might listen to that on the tube as well and um, I do love a, a crime drama I mean there have been so many really fantastic ones um, I think when I first started listening to podcasts I really got into one called S-Town um, and I just love the way that that engaged you and the tension it, it set up a more recent one um, I've listened to is The Rat Line and and it was called um, Stephen Fry Meets Philippe Sands, about a Jewish lawyer. And he's basically going back and investigating um, a, a Nazi uh, story. And he's he's found the relatives um, of somebody who, who was one of um, Hitler's gang. There's so many. We are spoilt for choice. So what's in store for the future of podcasts? I asked both James and Theodora for their predictions for 2020 and beyond. 
2020 is going to be an interesting year. This year in 2019, we saw loads of podcast hosting companies appear, new ones and free ones and specialized ones. And we've also seen an awful lot of new advertising services for podcasters. Um, so different ways for podcasters to earn money. There's affiliate schemes. Uh, yes, there's radio spots, the spoken reads, there's all kinds of stuff. My suspicion is that we'll see a couple of different things there. We'll see a lot of consolidation as some of these things work and some of these things don't. And I think also that we will see the heritage podcast companies, those that have been there for the last 15 years or so, I think that they will have to adapt and move if they're going to continue being as successful as they have been. So I think that that's one thing. Um, I think also we'll see radio broadcasters continue to invest into podcasting. So um, the UK is doing kind of less of this at the moment, but if you look into North America, for example, you can see iHeartRadio, um, Entercom, two very large uh, US uh, commercial radio companies. Rogers is a large commercial radio company in Canada. They've spent a lot of money investing into podcasting companies um, in the last year. And my suspicion is that we'll see more of that going on. Um, Global, of course, is the big commercial radio broadcaster in the UK, and they have been doing some interesting investment into the podcasting area as well in terms of their DAX uh, programmatic platform. Um, So uh, who knows what they're going to be doing in the future. Um, And I think also probably we will see a few more different things in terms of podcasting. So podcasting technically has been pretty static in terms of, uh, you know, it's an RSS feed. There's a logo in there. Um, You press the button and you hear the audio and that's kind of it. I suspect that we'll see more companies like Entail as one example who have added a lot more interactivity to podcasts. So when you have a podcast which is talking about fashion or about makeup, then you can actually see the dresses or the the lipstick that they're actually talking about. And my suspicion is that we'll see um, uh, more of those different ideas in terms of what could a podcast be in the future. I don't necessarily agree with it'll work, but I think that we'll certainly see some of those ideas, um, you know, coming up. So I think 2020 is going to be a really, uh, a really interesting year. 2020 should also be the year where we hit $1 billion uh, in the US in terms of ad revenue. And, um, you know, that is, I think, a very uh, interesting milestone because my suspicion is that that will unlock um, considerably more uh, money, both in the industry and also in terms of advertisers trying to be, you know, trying to buy into the space as well. So um, all good news, I think, for uh, 2020. Meanwhile, Theodora had some fantastic ideas about the future of interaction. I think 2020 will see a lot more of um, big TV networks commissioning podcasts. So we've seen it on a small scale with something like um, the Love Island podcast, which did really well for ITV. Those podcasts that follow TV shows that you're already watching. We've also seen Netflix launch a podcast. Um, I, who's to say if Amazon Prime, etc. won't follow suit? They've certainly got the budgets for it. And podcasts traditionally are a lot cheaper to make than 
TV uh, and bring in a very engaged audience. So perhaps we'll see more of that. I am going to throw my hat in the ring and say I think we might see some kind of interactive podcasting going on. Something like um, the Bandersnatch special episode that we saw with Black Mirror. They released this episode where at various stages uh, in the show you could kind of decide where the show went. So it was effectively uh, you moving the show forward. Um, I think we might see something like that with podcasting in 2020. Some really creative and ambitious shows um, where either the audience is deciding the direction of the show or the audience is involved in some level. Um, I'm not sure what form it'll take, but mark my words, I think we'll see more of it. Thank you very much to my guests, James Cridland, radio futurologist and editor of Pod News, and Theodora Leloudis, podcast editor at The Telegraph. If you'd like to find out more, or perhaps you're interested in starting up your own podcast, you can, of course, get in touch with us at Shout Communications. Podcasts are something we're seeing increasing interest in, both in the form of a hobby or side hustle, and as a way of marketing your business. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. If you are looking to launch a podcast for your client or brand, why not give Shout Communications a call on 0207 240 7373. Shout Communications, the broadcast PR specialists.